Hi, everyone, and welcome to Audio Note number 15. My name is Andrew Robinson. And by now, you have these two tools at your disposal that you can use to regulate yourself, right? You've got the reactivity scale and the triangle of activation. And the whole idea there is that you would use these tools as we move ahead to monitor and reground yourself as necessary. We're going to go into your nature and narrative, like I mentioned in the last audio note. And depending on what clarity you gain about yourself, what kinds of insights you get there, uh, you are going to want to have some familiarity with these tools. So the first batch of audio notes that we're going to go through will help you understand your nature. We're going to look at those aspects of yourself that were given to you at birth. They're, they're actually often given to you before birth if the research is accurate, and I think it is because it's actually woven into your DNA. In particular, we are going to hone in on your specific temperament, your personality, because of its power and its effect on how you show up every single day. Narrative is different. Narrative does change. It comprises pretty much everything else. It's your family of origin. It's your life circumstances, relationships, events, different choices you've made, and so on. These are all the things that go into your story. I believe you have a story that's worth telling. It includes, like all good stories, a plot, has rising action, has tension, has a resolution. You are the hero of the story. Your story also has a supporting cast. It has extras. It has antagonists. It has villains. All these important characters in your story And like nature, your narrative has an enormous influence over how you show up in the world. It shows up in our behavior, in our habits, in our reactions, and so forth. And if the research is accurate here, and I think it is, that nature narrative makeup is about 50-50 in terms of their influence on our lives. These two elements, nature and narrative, don't operate in isolation. They play off of each other like two musicians. The way you show up in life today reveals this interplay between the two. So as you gain awareness over your nature, over your narrative, you may find that you can actually ascribe certain tendencies and reactions to one or the other. It might be pretty binary, pretty clear. But more often, you will find that they share responsibility. So let me give you an example. I was working with a team of leaders within a company. They were a group of of rising leaders, and one individual in particular struggled with self-regulation, and he tended to dominate meetings. He didn't seem to listen very well at all to the opinions of other people on the team, and this went on time and time and time again, and as I was monitoring my own response to him, I noticed that in a lot of meetings, I was actually getting up around that seven or eight on the reactivity scale, and always along that hyper line on the activation triangle, which means I'm going into my sympathetic nervous system. So that's a fairly high reaction. And while his behavior, I could tell, also affected others on the team, I had a sense that I was out of sync with the situation. And I started to look at others around the table to try to gauge some sort of objectivity. And so judging by their body language and their responses to this individual, they seemed to be probably around more of a three or a four, maybe a five. And that seemed actually 
about right to me. That seemed more objective. So I was looking at a difference of like four points on the reactivity scale. So I started asking myself, what could account for that difference? And as I began to filter the experience through my nature and my narrative lenses, different explanations and reasons actually started to surface. So one thing I know about my nature, my temperament, is that time wasting is a huge trigger. It doesn't happen all the time. I mean, there are some times where I absolutely have no problem wasting a lot of time. But in a work setting, when I'm working with clients, I place a premium on maximizing the value that we all get within this finite amount of time that we have together. This leader's tendency to dominate meetings, to not listen, chewed up valuable time, and it diminished the engagement of others, and it reduced what we were able to accomplish. Once I was able to isolate that tendency within my own nature, it was like, okay, there we go. That makes a ton of sense. Now, no one loves wasting time. But for me, this is a particular trigger that actually hooks right into my nature. And I only know that because of the clarity that I've gained on my own wiring, my own particular temperament. And that's what we're going to get into uh, next. When I ran the experience through my narrative, I realized, okay, this leader possesses a trait that is particularly difficult for me. And that trait is a lack of self-awareness. This leader seemed to have no awareness or concern about how his behavior was affecting the others in the room. And I realized like, there's not a person alive that's like, I love being around people that <laughs> lack self-awareness, right? No one's going to say that. But as I was processing this through my narrative, what I recognized is this person reminds me a lot of a person from my own narrative that was a source of pain for many years, and that person happened to lack self-awareness. They had the exact same kind of behaviors, and so this leader in this group was doing enough to start accessing that character from my own narrative. So now we have the nature piece, right, the time-wasting, And then we have the narrative piece. This person resembles someone that I recognize. If you remember back, we were talking about the adaptive subconscious. And and what it does is it's looking for patterns. What happens is when it picks up on patterns, there's energy there. It picks up, oh, I recognize this. And so in response to that, I activated. I went up into that hyper line on the activation triangle. So this helped explain why I was so out of sync with the situation. This person accessed those vulnerabilities that I have in my nature and my narrative. But imagine if I had reacted out of that activated state. In essence, I would have been making a choice to focus on that individual as the problem so that I don't have to look at the real source of my reaction in my nature and particularly in my narrative because my narrative is more painful. And anytime we want to avoid pain, we externalize it, we make it about someone else. All he did was access my vulnerabilities. My task then is to mark myself on the reactivity scale, plot myself on that activation triangle. What am I reacting to? Ask those questions and do the work. That is what it looks like to take responsibility. That's my task is to be honest about what he accessed and process it. Otherwise, I'm going to essentially tell a lie. I'm going to make it about him. If I don't do that kind of work, my reaction will come out on him, or it'll come out on someone else, or it'll come out on myself. So it is an act 
of unkindness not to engage in this process. Anytime we avoid reality, it's an act of unkindness. Think about it that way. In this particular situation, not only would it have been an act of unkindness, I would have cratered my influence with this entire team if I had reacted out of that. Still, I knew that I needed to address the situation. And as this behavior persisted, I recommended to this person's uh, senior leaders that we do a 360. And we presented that 360 report to this individual. And not surprisingly, it was pretty scathing. To his credit, rather than defend himself or start blaming other people, he owned the feedback 100%. And he truly had no idea what it was like to be on the other side of himself. This set in motion a series of incredible milestones in his own personal growth, his own professional growth. His lack of selfship would have absolutely capped his growth within the company. But instead, he's actually received two significant promotions within the company. But if I had reacted to that situation, if I had let my activation take over, I wonder to this day how much that would have influenced the outcome of the situation. Not that it wouldn't have happened without me, but I certainly wouldn't have helped the situation if I had reacted rather than processing what he was accessing in me. So I'm relaying this example to demonstrate the value of knowing both your nature and your narrative. When you increase your knowledge of those two sources of our behavior, of our reactions, of our perceptions, we open a whole new world. Given the significance of the role they play in how we show up every day, I want to know them as well as possible so I can live as intentionally as possible and take responsibility for myself rather than making it about other people. The only other available option really to doing that kind of work is blaming others for my choices, blaming others for my reactions. And when I think of living my life that way, a certain special kind of nausea sets in. My question to you as we move into this next series of audio notes is, what is your level of curiosity about yourself? How willing are you to discover brilliance you've never even recognized before, superpowers you've never seen before? Are you willing to see the challenges of being on the other side of yourself as well? The only thing that's worse than ignorance about yourself is indifference about yourself. A lack of curiosity is the kiss of death. It kills selfship. Now, I'm not advocating that we become navel gazers, as I've said all along. That's not the point. If you notice, this is all about actually being out in the world, colliding with the world, and then actively, responsibly processing what we experience in the world and how we react to it. That's what it's all about. It's not just navel gazing. So when I say, are you curious about yourself in those situations, as you collide with life, how curious are you about yourself and how you react to certain situations and what you bring to certain situations? So I've got a challenge for you, and this is going to test this question about your curiosity. Take out a sheet of paper and feel free to pause this if you want. And what you're going to do is you're just going to create two columns. And in the first column, you're going to list the examples of your natural giftedness. So these are things that you're not just good at, They actually give you energy when you do them. Have you ever had someone that comes up to you and is like, gosh, how did you do that? Like, how did you figure that out? And you're like, well, figure what out? 
didn't even think about it. It was just so natural for you to do it. There's a really, really good chance that that person is highlighting something that you are so good at that you don't even know that you're good at. It's an unconscious competence. So I know this is a tough task, but think of it this way. What is something that you hope people seek you out for? Like if if they need help with something, what's that thing that you hope they seek you out for? Everybody's different. So what is it for you? So maybe you love handling details. Maybe you can't stand handling details. Or maybe you love like dreaming about the future and possibilities. Or maybe that drives you crazy and you tend to think more about practical considerations and the here and now. Whatever it is, write it down. I just want you to start thinking about it. And this is going to be like an open conversation with yourself because things are going to occur to you. And my challenge to you is just have this accessible so you can add to the list. I've actually been doing this for my own work recently, and it's been really interesting. I'll be in a meeting and something will come up and I'll be like, oh, that's right. That's a natural competence that I have. Or, oh, that's right. I'm terrible at these things. And I want to make sure and capture it before I forget it. So I want to encourage you to do the same. That other column is for those things that drain you. Some of these things may be super obvious. They're the things you avoid at all costs. But be on the watch for things you may do exceptionally well every single day that actually drain you. That makes you a good team player, but what we need to learn how to do is bring balance. So the first step toward bringing balance is increasing your awareness about the things that you are uniquely gifted in. Like I said, these are your superpowers. And then we want to look at those things that drain you. You get done with them and you're like, oh my gosh, that that was exhausting. I actually did an assessment of my own work where I went about three months back in my calendar and I scored every single thing on my calendar on two scales. Was I engaged? Meaning was I focused? Was I attentive? Was I blocking out distractions? And was I energized? Because you can be really, really engaged in something and it can absolutely drain you. So start teasing out that list. The goal here is to test that outer edge of your curiosity. And if you feel a bit uncomfortable, that's good. Remember the one truth on the 631, healthy discomfort precedes growth. As you build out the self-assessment, it's going to help clarify where we're going to go from here in the next audio note. Okay, so do this exercise and you will be 100% primed for the tool that I am going to introduce in the next audio note. Looking forward to it. As always, wherever you are right now, I'm so glad you're here. Take care, everyone.